A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Thank you for downloading the podcast, The Anos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, The Anos. Baseball is back, boys. Yes, it is. Kind of. No, it's not. It's not back yet at all. You're a little early. There are people throwing baseballs and catching baseballs and running with baseballs. I'm pretty sure that means it's back. Green fields do exist. Twitter is filled with photo documentation of it. So that's good. The voices you heard. Well, the voice you heard, of course, is Eric Wayne. And we're very happy this week to be joined by Matt Sussman, or as you may know him from the Twitter as at sus2hyphens. Matt, what's going on? Thanks so much for spending the evening with us. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for thinking of me in uh, this nice February evening. So where where is your level of excitement that pitchers and catchers are back? Are you are you excited like me, or are you a poo-pooer like, like Eric? I am so happy for them. I will just say that. I'm happy that they get to do their thing and – uh, you know, play the ball, and you know, I will, I will happily wait for them. Uh, I have other things that I need to do, and I will wait for them, uh, for them to get ready, and uh, when games actually matter. So they're coming to you. I like this strategy. That's right. Yeah, just you know, take your time, get it right, figure out which players uh, are the tallest and the best, and I will, I'll sit here diligently. Now, is that how Osmus determines playing time? Oh, I've always been wondering. You didn't, you didn't know that? But it's just the tallest ones. Well, Moya has a leg up. Then we know where that where that's going to go. Yep, yep. Moya's on the team. Everyone else, it's uh, open positions. Yeah, that's why that's why Ghost got the boot. Um, so as we've been alluding to, pitchers and catchers are in the house. The wait is finally over, um, guys. This week's leadoff question: Which Tigers do you think are most and least happy to be back in Lakeland? Um, Matt, you're our guest, so why don't you lead us off? Yes, I for most. I'd say, um, yeah, which Upton do we? It's Justin Upton, yes. Okay, spring training for everyone. Um, I'd say Justin Upton because he was playing extremely well finally in September, and then a funny thing happened. The, uh, the, the They ran out of games. So if anyone's ready to, to play really well again, I'd, I'd say it's Upton. Even um, if you said the other Upton, you'd still have a 50-50 chance of getting his name right. 
because exactly, that's a, yes. it's moving target. Uh, Harpo <laughs> Upton. Um, yep. Yes. Yeah, I think it's still Melvin. It could Melvin. be something different. Because it was what? BJ before, BJ. was it not? Boss Man Jr., yeah. Boss Man Jr., which what I think that's just the name now is Boss Man Junior. All on the jersey. Yep, uh, that should be. He hates that style. That's always exactly, what yes. BJ stands for. Always. No, but I, 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 I'm I'm looking forward to Justin when he was playing good. That was it was just incredible because that's exactly what we knew he was in, entirely streaky. Have a great month. Have a month where you're just saying, well, what did we do? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Eric, I wish you would have known that going into spring training last year, so you wouldn't have freaked out from the start. <laughs> boss man jr i learn i learn new safe things every day mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh who am i excited about or or, or uh matt are you gonna say least do you have a least um you know you go with most you know and come, come around the <laughs> right. table and you get back to me for least all right uh i i kind of have somebody who's maybe encapsulating both most and least excited to be back, and that is Mark Lowe. <laughs> Lowe <laughs> has to be excited about getting a fresh start because he was a rotisserie turd last year. It was so bad. But also, since he was so stinky, you know, you're, re- you're returning to the scene of your stinkiness. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Lowe. Um, most excited, probably a young guy, maybe Jacoby Jones. Huh. You know, he knows he can kind of do it. He's excited to be back. Least, I'd say a guy like Victor. Victor, this is like his thousandth spring training. His bones are brittle. You know, they're kind of pulverizing within him. He can't be excited about ramping it back up, can he? I, I certainly wouldn't think so. I was I was perfectly content to go down the uh, Justin Wilson route because you know dude's not in it for the running program. But apparently, according <laughs> to our boy uh, Fennec, he's actually dropped a few pounds coming into camp this year. Yeah, Bichol, best shape of his life. Yeah, I, feel, I have a feeling we'll read an article or two um, more about that in the in the coming weeks. I'm I'm gonna go with Big Pelf though, as far as most happy to be back. The thing is, is he knows his time is limited. He was wanting to soak up all of this he can. Ho- hopefully, you know, so big pelf it is. Okay. Okay. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can. You can reach us at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, Matt is at sus2 hyphens. Um, I am at jordanhall23. Eric is at Comeric Eric, And the show is at podcastianos. On the Instagram, I, of course, am at jordinho4. And we have a Facebook page now, Eric. Do we do? I made one. Huh. Wow. You know, Facebook is the new hot technology. <laughs> Got to get on that train. Exactly. Um, so you can find us at facebook.com backslash podcastianos. Um, and let's see. Uh, we would love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever, whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. Yeah. Flawlessly delivered. As always. <laughs> I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Yanos. Okay. Uh, we can't start anywhere tonight, but at the top, we were all saddened to learn that Tiger's owner and, quite frankly, Detroit superhero Mike Illich had passed away. Um, not to sound too sappy, but did, what did Mike, uh, Big Mike mean to you guys, uh, like, personally? Well, you know, it, owners are an interesting breed because – 
they're the ones that give everyone all the money. If it weren't for them, the, the team wouldn't exist or that or put on the team. But, you know, through thick and thin that the owner, if the owner is, uh, you know, charitable and uh, willing to, you know, pay the money and, and gets out of the way when they need to, uh, they can, uh, you know, really be a, a great owner. And the thing with Illich is he was a great owner. I mean, he, he, you know, in, in terms of being an owner, you know, you know, taking some of the you know public funds and getting the stadiums he wants, they, they all do that. But with Illich, he, you know, and, and from a Tigers perspective, obviously there's some lean years where he didn't, uh, you know, commit, you know, you know, uh, learning, you know, curves. But uh, once he finally put in the effort and got the right people, I mean, he was he he did everything he could in his power to, you know, make the team good, and he he did it for himself. He wanted the championship, but in turn, we all benefited from really ten great years of of, uh, of Tigers baseball. So, um, just for what he wanted to do for himself, it just kind of you know waterfall effect down to the rest of us. Right, I think Matt's got it exactly right. I mean, he was a he was a good owner. Um, but I think we just have to contextualize a little bit, like in Matt even touched on it. Like he is a sports owner. He's not a philanthropist. He's not, um, you know, uh, showering money upon the city. Every move that he's done has has been in his business interest. He's there to make money. Um, even even the things that seem kind of generous, trying to make the team better, signing Pudge, kind of his highlight moments. Um, those are those are great things, yes. But that is to fuel his downtown empire. You know, uh, Olympia is, needs to fill parking spaces and create an entertainment district and all that. And I don't want to poo-poo him and his family too much. He's they've done a great thing for the city um, and for Tigers fans, right? But um, I think we can honor and respect him. But um, I, I think it's in context. That's, that seems fair. Um... I was thinking kind of back on him. I feel like the most prominent times that you saw him was when we were hand or well, not not we as fans, um, but when baseball was handing him trophies. And you have this um, for me, it's just such a strong association with with him. And we just won something because, um, quite frankly, we didn't necessarily see a, see a ton of him. I mean, you'd hear about right. him, but you wouldn't see him except for when he was holding that trophy up. And well, he was he was, yeah, he, he got a little without the ego, wasn't yeah, I could see that. What was that? When he when he wanted to assert himself and do something, uh, yeah. he would show up and you know call down Dave and said, "How about you get Prince Fielder?" Which, okay, <laughs> here's the money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and go ahead. Yeah, he was never shy with the money. Right when it came time to do some, make a splash to do something, he pulled some triggers where other owners would have been more stingy. And I think one of the interesting things that. Um, not to, to jump ahead to his legacy, but he fired his boy like down the stretch last year. I mean, him and him and and Dombrowski were tight as bugs in a rug, and he let him go because he didn't think that he was going to get him over the top. And you know, for somebody that old, I I thought that took a lot of guts. Um, you know, not not to say that old people aren't, aren't gutsy, but um, he was willing to just let him go because he thought that, and I thought that that was a, a good indication of how he was running the team over especially over the last what 10 years yeah he did and um it's more to the point is he's running a business and he has a goal in mind and he's going to do that now 
whether right or wrong, if that was the right answer, um, I, you know, here, here we are. I mean, he, he did it. Um, now, now Dave's turning the Red Sox into an incredibly scary team. And he, you know, in it with the, but the interesting part, you know, turning it to Alavila, Al, uh, he, he decided to, uh, you know, run, run the team in that direction. And uh, I guess we're getting a little off subject here, but you know, he, he made those decisions at the end. And I, I, it's a weird way for the, the narrative to end. And that's kind of how the door closed. And like I said, he wanted to win a championship with the Tigers. He did not do that. Not every, uh, you know, narrative has a, a happy ending, but what he did do, like I you know, mentioned before is he, he turned the Tigers into a joke, into uh, a very, very scary yeah. team for 10 years. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, he he bought the team in 1992. I was very young. I was three. You guys lived through the purchase. What was the feeling like around the team kind of before and then immediately after? How old do you think we are, Hall? At, at least 62. <laughs> Specifically oh you. Com- combined, combined, you might have it there. Um, <laughs> so I was nine when oh, that sale okay. went on, and I was not thinking much of, of ownership. But me. I do remember – Well. Yeah, hey, someone's got to be the oldest always in any group. Harsh. Um, and I'm just glad it's not me. So, um, but, you know, I, I remember um, you know, growing up in Toledo, I remember the Mud Hens going to the to Tigers and say, oh, I remember that guy. And it just seemed like every time someone did, they were not good. It just, I, I did not have a lot of memories as a youngster of the Tigers because I, I lived through the 90s in my formative years. And, you know, how many Felipe Lira moments are there that you can just take in and say, oh, yeah, that, that was a great time. Uh, no, I, I remember them as a team that was always on TV and on Channel 50, and, and, and they were bad. So um, so I, my memories of Illich's first few years were uh, did not exist. So I was 12. Um, and That's not I, much more. No, that's not. <laughs> not too much but uh, so I really don't have a ton of memories. I, I do remember pre-Illage Tigers, and I remember um, Tom Moynihan was the owner. So I thought it was kind of interesting that it went from pizza guy to pizza guy. Like, what are the odds of that? Like, only pizza men can own the team. Uh, so I don't know, possibly. Um, but you know, I think the real renaissance of the Tigers was not Illich buying the team because they languished for a while. It was Comerica Park and finally signing Pudge. Signing Pudge to me was the kind of the watershed moment where Illich stepped up and said, hey, we're going to overpay. We suck. We are going to overpay for a free agent. And that's what they did. And then they got Maglio and then the rest is history. Um, But that was kind of the, the turning point for me. And the other, I think the other part on that is we talk about the 90s being really bad. The other thing, Illich had other things on his mind. He was also running the Red yep. Wings to win tons Wings. of Stanley Cups. So uh, once he had you know their house in order and they were running well, I think he just shifted his focus into his other you know, multi-million dollar asset and said, you know what, this one should probably be pretty good too. Yeah, and th- he came out pretty well. Uh, didn't you have – what did he pay for a haul? It's something cheap, and now it's worth like a ton. Those, are, those are exact figures, yes. Those, yes. Precise <laughs> um, accounting. We had a question from the Twitter at Dylan Dav asked, "What uh, what was the best owner uh, best owner decision that Mister Illich ever made?" You going with Pudge? For me, for me, it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a step back. He fired Randy Smith and hired Dave Dombrowski. Yep. 
Um, Pudge signing, I will say, was brilliant, but it takes two to get that done. And a lot of credit goes to Pudge to going. Remember, the year before, he won the World Series with the Marlins. And he was signed to a team that lost 119 games. So he it took guts for him to put his name on that contract. Uh, but obviously for Illich to say, okay, let's start spending, you know, it, it took both parties. That helped. Swallowing the pride and letting Nebraska move uh, Prince Fielder wasn't a, a bad choice either. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Jay, at Jay Lee Touch asked, how will the passing of Mr. I affect the Tigers this year? I don't know if it will much. Because I, I don't They'll think have... I don't think it's going to change too the much. Patches, other than that, it's yeah, yeah. yeah they, they will wear memorial patches. That's a good observation. Um, okay, so what let's... do you think the patch is going to say? You think it's be Mister I or M I or yeah. Mister I? Shouldn't it? Big Mike. A silhouette of his hair. I, I don't. I don't know. You could just Mister I would probably be more apropos. Yeah. yeah. Anything I could add is just going to be too crass. Okay, uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> to the lasting legacy. Um, when you guys, uh, you know, think back on him in 15 years, what's going to be the one thing that you will take from his tenure, you know, ownership? Um, uh, the the move to Comerica, restoring the the re- restoring the franchise from garbage to something. Okay, I guess. I'm just going to steal your answer. That's yeah. I know we've kind of gone over it a few times already, but uh, yeah, it, it was having a buying a team, having a bad for a while, making it good. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. I think the purchasing of the giant tigers on top of the scoreboard will probably mm. be um, up there. Okay, uh, what happens now from an ownership's perspective? Obviously, uh, none of us are ITK. We don't. We don't. We're not in the know. Um, but what do you think happens? Uh, I don't think they're in a hurry to sell it. <laughs> no, uh, no, they. So what is it? His wife Marion is still living. They have seven kids: Sleepy, Happy, Grumpy, Dopey, and Chris. And Chris. I don't. Uh, yeah, um, Chris is like the doc at the end. I guess I. I don't even know the dwarves. <laughs> I don't know. They probably keep it. They have an empire to fuel. A downtown empire. And then, I don't know, then Goris buys it. Or not Goris. Uh, who's the other uh, bearded man who owns the Calves? What's his uh, name? Dan Gilbert. Yeah. That no, guy. They're going oh. to be too busy bringing MLS to, to Detroit. They can't. They're they're all in on that. Oh, they yeah. are excited. I'm, I'm excited, too. I want that so bad. But that's that's for a different podcast. Sure. Um, what were you saying, Matt? I don't even remember, but uh, I, I think really, you know, medium term, next five to ten years, the the commitment level that, you know, this is just a guess. It, the, maybe he cares just as much as his dad did about the Tigers, but I don't think they're going to put nearly as much money. There's already been the talk about we're not we're, we have to bring the payroll down, and I think with the transition to, um, you know, one of the sons, I think it's going to be an even smaller payroll. I, I think it's going to hurt. I hate to say it. But it's going to hurt for the next five to ten years. Do you think that the that him passing away now kind of foils what we've done slash not done for the last couple months? Um, uh, well, or, or not? Yeah, not done is the is the I think the operative phrase here. But um, 
it's hard, it's hard to put that in a different context uh, just because uh, you know uh, Mr. Illich died, but I, I don't I don't think it, it, it. There was nothing they could have done in the next in the last two months to win a championship, uh, right? You know, before February, so um, it it didn't. I don't think it changed that much. Yeah, it's not like they were one piece away and. Mr. I could sweep in and the, with his checkbook and make a make a World Series champ. No, I was I was more meaning. Do you think that had they known they weren't going for it one last time with him alive, that they would have worked harder to unload? Uh, I don't know. Mm, I, okay, well, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of hard to speculate. But yeah, uh, um, if, if if you know, I think that's kind of we all want to know. You know, if you knew the moment you were going to die, how would you do things <laughs> differently? And um, mm. you know, that, Hey, if it was going to be, you know, February, 2017, um, you know, maybe they uh, say, Oh yeah, well, sorry. It's not going to be this year. I, I'd probably fire sale. If I knew that, if I knew my, the, when I was going to die and I owned a team, I'd say, yeah, make it better. Uh, so I'm not here anymore. Yeah. And, and obviously we're, we're Tigers fans and we look at it from a sports and business perspective, but this is a, a man's life. He's got seven kids, a lot of grandkids and you know, it's, it's, it's probably better just to take take some time and say, "Hey, this is a man who meant something to his family and to the city." And you know, we don't want to get too too glib, I guess. So okay, um, let's move on to something he for sure would have been pumped about, and that's pitchers and catchers reporting to Tiger Town in Lakeland. Um, we discussed it a little bit. Whoops, excuse me, with Evan. Uh, but coming into camp, where is your specific level of optimism about the team right now? This is this is the first day. All the articles are out. On a one to ten, how optimistic are you? In terms of optimist, I would say maybe a maybe a seven and a half. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised by how they did last year. I I just did not think that they were going to be one game away from the playoffs by any by any you know, stretch of the imagination. Um, and then to to retain that pitching staff into this year, that that gives me a little bit of optimism. Not much, just enough to fuel me through you know April. And then once once the standings and the L's pile up, then maybe I'll realize, oh, what was I thinking? But you know, they they ended on a really nice note in terms of September, the whole month. So I'm I am looking forward to this season. And a seven and a half out of ten. Okay. I'm lower on the scale. I don't know. Maybe a five and a half or six. This, I don't know. I was more. See, I'm the other way. I was more optimistic about last year. I thought they. I thought they could sneak a playoff spot. I really did. I thought they were in a good position to get a spot. And just at the very very end they just didn't have it and now they had some bad luck but this isn't a young team that's going to grow into something better this is an old team that needs to hang on and um you know they with the exception of a couple pieces i mean this it kind of strikes me as a, a slightly above 500 team okay. and if they can uh sneak up a few games uh, and and try to snag a spot, great. But their their Pythagorean last year was like another three wins worse than what they actually did. And so, um, and they what did they finish last year? They finished 
with 86 wins. Their Pythagorean was 83. So, yeah, I'm, you know, a couple wins worse than last year is kind of where my head's at. Did you ruffle papers there specifically to let us know that you did, in fact, have notes? <laughs> so many notes. So many. Um, this, I can't... This show is not a joke, okay? This is thoroughly researched, so I know how many wins they had last year. Well, it's a, you, know, you know it's a serious podcast because apparently you have a Foley artist on. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> These are special prop papers that I had to order <laughs> from, the, from the Foley website. <laughs> Wait till we have doors opening and closing and, uh, you know, footsteps. Oh, somebody's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Who could that be? It's the crack of the bat. Oh, there she goes. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is is radio theater, friends. Can't get this just anywhere. Theater of the mind. Well, you could, but it would only be just about as good. (laughs) Right. Um, I feel like I can realistically talk myself into both, you know, 90 wins and last place in the division kind of simultaneously. The thing that, that people keep bringing up. It's a wuss call, Hall. Make a call. I'm going. Don't (laughs) worry. I feel like people keep bringing up the rotation. Like, oh, the rotation has the ability to be filthy, but it really does. Like you, you compare our rotation minus number five, but who has a number five that they like the, the chances, uh, of Boston being, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Not not that there aren't, but um, there there is a chance that the ro- the rotation one through four is really really good, and once Boyd possibly gets into the number five spot, for all five spots to be pretty good, um, you know, there's some other reasons for doubt. But you know, you look at at Cleveland; they have a lot of really nasty pitchers like we do. Um, you know, I I feel like we stack up rotation wise against just about any team in the American League. It's just the the other factors that make me think, uh, no. I, so I don't think we're going to finish last in the division. I don't think we're probably going to win 90 games. So I'm going to say six and a half. I'll go squarely between you two. I'll split the difference. Uh, what is you guys' favorite um, cliched spring training storyline? Uh, best shape of his life. I love best shape of his life stories. Like, the, the to me, I always think it's funny because – the key to best shape of your life is to start fat. I mean, you got to start fat. If you're going to continually be in the best shape of your life, you can't be like super fit and exceed that. Got to be fat. But like Panda, they're showing pictures of Pablo Sandoval, you know, looking all swole and lean. Yeah, it's easy for him. He was fat. I enjoy reading I- about who had a had a baby in the offseason and now has a better perspective on the game. Oh, yeah, classic Nick. Yeah. Classic. I like when they talk about uh, team chemistry, which in, in, when you think about it, spring training has got to be the hardest because there's 120 people jammed into a locker room. You don't know who, who's who. You have people that you don't know what their number is. I think the team chemistry formed itself way later in the season when when you're actually facing adversity rather than facing uh, pleasant 70-degree uh, weather in flipping February. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just me. I think chemistry. You can't build chemistry on day one. Um, oh, go ahead, Eric. I agree. Oh. Let's talk a little bit about the offseason. Um, way more talk than action, like we said before. Um, what was you guys' – not that there are a ton of options, but favorite move of the offseason? I'd put – putting J.D. Martinez in your pocket. 
pocket. Um, okay. Not that he would have gotten something uh, back. I think he would have, and they they asked the moon. But I really like watching him hit. I mean that that's that's wonderful right handed power to have. Now you're here's the thing: you're only going to have him for another year, and realistically, given the payroll situation, but. Um, you know, if we're, we're talking short term, if this is again, if they're on the if the windows closing, uh, keeping our JD Martinez might have been a good bet. Yeah, I mean, it speaks to our expectations and mindset when the refraining from selling off a piece is like the best move. But I'm I'm agreeing. I mean, that's that's a good thing. Um, somebody that they actually added. Um, Mikey Matuk. Is that how you say his name? I think Matuk? so. It's got an H in it. Matuk. Mikey. I I'd mean, say Matuk. Matuk. I don't know. Matuk. He sounds like a uh, – anyway, I don't know. Well, once uh, Jim Price says it, then we'll know how to how to nail that. How to, how to butcher it properly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll know by August. <laughs> right. Uh, but we added – last time we played Guy We Added or Coachella Act – and there's just like a word salad of guys that, you know, quad A guys that we pulled off some street someplace. So we added Baseball like zero legitimate big leaguers this year. The pronunciation apparently is Mikey Matuk. 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 Emphasis on the first one. That's according to Baseball Reference. Matuk. Matuk. All right. Um, Matuk, Matuk, Matuk. What do you guys think about the Avila bringing him back? Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Mm-hmm. It's like part of the family. It's easy to, easy it's, it's, it's sentimental signing. I mean, it's I, I like Alex Avila, not just because we have the same birthday, oh. but um, you know, it it I've I've always liked him, and he's he's a backup catcher at this point in his career, though. Uh, so I'm not expecting him to steal at bats away from James McCann unless James McCann gets worse than he already is. But he's a backup right. catcher that we know the name, and he gets to play for his dad again, and that's you know. I was never. Isn't baseball just nothing much? I was never. (laughs) Say say your thing. No, you first. Well, I was never as bitter bitter at Alex as like the fan base because he got on base and he hit with some power. And if you just close your eyes during the strikeouts, he's fine. Exactly. Walk walk strikeouts and. (laughs) And uh, home runs, I'll yeah. take that. Sure. Plus, I'm pretty sure he learned to take the ball the other way while he was in Chicago. You, th- you think he yeah. picked up a lot of skills there? A lot of skills. They're known for, known for developing players. Well, right. Our hitting coaches always suck compared to the other team's hitting coaches. So <laughs> this will be a good test. I've read that in the comments, so I think it's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's always the hitting coach. Okay, so the signings on the field haven't been – or off the field, I don't know, wherever you would make said signings. Haven't been all that exciting. But in my opinion, we have two um, players coming back from injury that are kind of like new signings. Now, last year on this show, we said, probably on this very on this very date, we said that getting back a healthy Victor Martinez would be like a new signing. Now he's getting over another hernia injury that bothered him last year. Any faith left? I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think his knees are ever going to come back, but he wasn't bad last year. In fact, I think he had a, a surprisingly good year. Um, I don't know if any of you saw that article in ESPN by Sam Miller about how Victor Martinez has uh, had the worst base running uh, season by metrics uh, in, in his 
And I think he mentioned in that one function of being that is you have to get on base a lot. And he's always going to have that. I mean, between the batter's box, I think he's always just going to be terrific. He's not going to be a dynamic player. And if you need someone to DH, you're basically saying, well, uh, Victor, take a seat for a day. But um, I don't think the knees will come back or the speed at all. But the boy, the man can hit. He can hit. He runs like a Molina brother with a second Molina brother strapped to his back. <laughs> the guy is glacial, absolutely glacial. But yeah, he can he can hit if we if you could just hold them together, glue and tape, just keep them together for a couple more Not, years. Don't hold Let them hit. Don't hold them together too hard though. That's the key. <laughs> right, just enough so he can waddle the first as fast as he can. And if we got a little more production out of the two spot this year, I think it would make him even give him even more um, RBI, RBI opportunities. Um, okay, let's move on. Similarly, there is a legitimate reason to look at Jordan Zimmerman in kind of the same way. Um, I did did some research. Like you, I also have papers. Um, 18 starts last year. He only pitched six innings uh, three times, though, after May 16th. Um, he's not done, is he? Oh, you're asking the wrong guy. Um, but I'll I'll make a guess if that sounds uh, professional. Oh, it does. Because um, he, yeah, you'll say he looked really good in uh, the first month, and then after that, it was, um, you know, it was just five months of Jared Washburn. So, ouch. Ah, uh, he's he's on the wrong side of thirty. He's got a huge contract. Is there's a lot of all of Tommy those are just reasons to be, you know, uh, pessimistic. Um, I don't think he's going to ascend back into that type of number two start, to be honest. I think he'll he'll be kind of a number four moving forward. Um, but, you know, you never know with, with this kind of stuff. They, you know, at the end of the season, they always say, well, I played bad because I had an injury. And that always seems to be the, well, I'm not going to make that excuse, but I had an injury. And then we make that the excuse. So, I mean, he, he did come back a little bit and had a little bit of velocity in his last start in September. Uh, but I'm I'm not entirely optimistic that we're going to get the Zimmerman that they signed. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm agree. It was, he's so frustrating because he was so good the first what was it eight or ten starts or whatever. It's so good, but we really needed him down the stretch. We really needed something from him, and it just wasn't there. Maybe we rushed him back or whatever. But oh. There was a few games where they ran him out there, and it was it was nothing. You know that was a little disheartening. So to play, we forgive you, but ugh. To play devil's ad- advocate um, with you guys, what has changed since those first eight to ten starts where he was so good? Um, obviously, the injury that has us with virtually no faith in him to get back there. I mean, why why is the optimism level so much lower? I mean, he probably didn't deserve quite the ginormous contract he got to begin with. But I mean, he was he was lights out for the first 10 starts and if he can get back to full health, what's what's to say that he can't get back to that level? Well, I'd have to look at the peripherals to see how he did so good. If he had a ton of strikeouts, then then yeah, maybe he can he can reclaim that. Maybe he just had uh, you know, that maybe the ball fell in the right place for the first month. But um, I think the, the, the thing with pitchers is, you know, the, arm, the the human arm just has so many pitches it can throw, and at some point it just, you know, runs out of mileage and it just gets worse. 
And I think that's just kind of what we saw. I don't, I mean, maybe there, I know there were injuries. He went on the disabled list, but I, I, I'm just, something tells me that there's just not a lot of gas left in that arm. Okay. So, so it's more from a physical perspective. I think it is. Okay. I think that's part of it because, you know, now he's, he's going into age 31 season. Uh, now here's the other thing. We said the exact same thing about Justin Verlander and he came back. So what do we know? It's, you know, what we think. And I just, I tend to, to, to believe that he's a back end starter at this point, which, Hey, he's going to be better than what the other options are on the table. So, uh, you know, you get another season of, you know, an ERA somewhere in the low fours. That's probably fine. Yeah, just just because he's older and hurter. Or... <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so uh, I have one more guy down as a like new signing. Um, obviously, there's a lot of faith that goes into saying this, but. 30 starts or more from Daniel Norris would be so fire emoji. Um, I obviously, you know, he's, he's very fragile. He's a, he's a sensitive guy. Um, he's had, I mean, I can't even count how many different injuries, even since he's been a tiger, but I genuinely think that he's ready to be a guy, um, that, that can step into that role, maybe vacated a little bit by Zimmerman near the front end of the bolt uh, of the rotation. Yeah, thirty starts. That's uh, that's uh, bold, uh, but I think he can get really close to that. And I'm I'm high on Norris. It's uh, it's it's tough to to get to that point, but you know he he has never thrown more than uh, seventy innings in a season, so uh, <laughs> he's he's got a lot of work to go to make that jump to thirty when he's made twenty seven starts in his career. So um, I think he has a, a great chance to. Um, you know, be a number five, uh, make his mark, uh, and, and turn that into a really nice career. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is his first unhindered major league spring training, right? The last couple times he's been hurt. He had that back injury. He had, uh, cancer, uh, the cancer the year before. Right. So, you know, maybe and just the cancer. A, yeah. Well, it was. Um, yeah, how does one forget that? It was, it was a minor, you know, cancer. Sp- no, I, I'm going to stop talking. I'm just, I'm just throwing I'm just throwing papers in your direction and you're just and, falling on them and I'm giggling. So gosh, uh, I just almost minimized cancer and I'm not going to do that. I, okay. Ah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> dodge that bullet um so yes he gets the the normal kind of ramp up to the season he's gotten the the you know off-season rest all that kind of stuff that might make a big difference for his innings eating ability um there was a, an article on Fangraphs by jeff sullivan it was about a week ago he was talking about how um there are there are three guys in baseball last year that over the second half improved their fastball velocity and combined that with improved percentage of strike throwing. And there was three guys that like really stuck out to him. And it was James Paxton um, from Seattle, Matt Moore, who always has, has had the stuff and Daniel Norris. And all three of them look what he called as mid breakout, which I thought was really interesting because in September Norris was absolutely on fire. I mean, I think it was five starts where he was, pushing double digit strikeouts in each of them. Is that ring any bells? 
I don't have any papers it, on that. But no, <laughs> the one you don't have. Yeah, um, but he he limited his walks, and uh, he in the article he talked about how there was um, talk that he he lifted his or he's got a higher leg lift to improve his balance, which I think is really interesting because. Um, he did kind of seem like a guy who could get his mechanics a little bit out of whack at times. And if there's something that can improve that timing mechanism within your delivery, that's something that really can uh, cause a, a massive jump forward like this. And he also looked at the improved slider location. Um, I'm, I'm really, really excited about Norris this year, if you guys couldn't tell. That's great. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, he already had a really good you know, strikeout-to-walk ratio, so... Uh, who says you can't build on it? I just, I just, I think we all need to see, can he do a full season? Yeah. We, we've touched on that. And the thing is, he's like, got quirky charm he, as well. He definitely has quirky can't charm. Can't underrate the quirky charm. I don't understand why he's so injury prone. Like he's a tall, fairly well built dude. Like there's, there's kind of no reason that he should be so injury prone. Probably because he doesn't sleep in a bed. He probably sleeps well, on some part, rock that's, someplace. And that's, and that's part of the quirks, too, is injury. It's quirky. You know, it's quirky to have a, you know, oh, oh my, my side hurts. You know, that's. Yeah. Buy a mattress. We love that baseball players are quirky. Yeah. They just, they're all, they're all, it's, it's all idiosyncrasy. It's just a matter of managing them. Gosh darn hipsters. Okay. Um, any other players that you're looking forward to seeing their development uh, this spring, this year? Um, yeah. Jones, I'm excited about Jacoby Jones. I feel like this is the season where he either turns into a guy you cannot take out of the lineup. Like he he brings it all the time or he regresses into like this quad A guy. I think this is the year we're going to find out about him. Okay. I'm just going to say Joe Jimenez just because everyone else is saying Joe Jimenez. Yeah. Um, it, this, this is probably going to be the year he'll at least make an appearance um, and with any closer of the future or trademark, um, you know, it's always, oh, is he going to be that person? Um, I guess I could have also picked Bruce Rondone because he's a whole lot closer and he's, you know, three iterations ago of closer of the future trademark. Um, but he had a really good year last year and this might be the year he finally gets a setup role. So one of those two guys. I want to see Kyle Ryan. I know that, um, we're, you know, we're patently in love with, um, Blaine Hardy on this show, but Kyle Ryan had a really good season last year. I think he's going to have a, a tough time making the pen out of spring training, but I, I really like him and I want to see what, what he does with, with a expanded role. Um, a Troy, our buddy, Anthony 21, um, tweeted us. Do you think we'll see some more of Machado this year? I think he's got potential. I think yeah. so. I mean, he's going to have to make the club out of, out of spring training, right? And he's got no options left. That's yeah, a, that's a good point. Him or um, Moya, right? I I can't see both of them sticking. Yeah, is Moya out of options as well? Yep. Yes. Ooh boy. Sucks. I'd re- yeah. Well, I I <laughs> high on Moya, not really, but he is. So <laughs> that's it. I, I really do like Machado, and it may just be from the bits of highlights that we've seen him make uh, for the Mudhens, but uh, yeah. the guy can play defense. Here's the thing. We have another shortstop that can play defense, and maybe that's the tr- maybe that's the move that should have happened. Uh, but I, I like him, but I'm, just, I, I'm wary that it's going to be a Hernan Perez situation where we like you, uh-huh. but not that much, and not enough. So, good luck somewhere else. 
Yeah, and Hernandez had some pretty decent success elsewhere. I oh, think. he's been raking for Milwaukee. I mean, yeah. he got turned into a power hitter, for Christ's sake. I, yep. did, I did not see that one coming. Um, are you guys okay putting off World Baseball Classic to next week? Okay. Um, let's move on to power rankings. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Power rankings. This is the the part of the show where I talk a lot when I shouldn't be talking very much. But uh, what I do is I rank the top seven and bottom three of something. And today I have for you rec sports, recreational sports for grownups. All right. This is in honor of Matt coming on the show. And we have kind of the market cornered on niche Midwestern sports for grownups. You ready for this? <laughs> Let's do it. All right, here we go. Um, starting at number seven is golf, regular golf. It's fancy. You go to a nice building to get your stuff. Uh, it's beautiful. They manicure. What other sports facilities? Like, well, I suppose baseball. They manicure the the tees and the greens everything's beautiful and i'll tell you about golf like i stink at golf but every once in a while you get that one shot that one moment of bliss and you're like i'm i'm a good golfer i want to come do this all the time and then you stink you can't you know it's bad you're shanking the ball all over number seven is golf you like that i do all right number six do you like do you play some golf it's expensive. Uh, pro- it sounds like I play just as much as you. Yeah. But I think you're, you're kind of with it. It's just, yeah, you just have to do it once in a while. I once yeah. played golf at night with those light-up balls, and that is – Really? I don't know. It, 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 was a, it was a fundraiser through a company, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, I don't, I've, I've never been to Vietnam, but when you, when you drop yourself in a golf course at night, <laughs> you have no idea where you are. I mean, I did not have my bearings. Uh, Were you looking for just, the Viet Cong and <laughs> – much just like hit the ball it's really easy to see it but man that's <laughs> i i recommend everyone try to do that once if there's a place where you can golf at night that's that's pretty cool uh number six in honor of our guest is curling oh, curling the top six curling see i've all right full full uh disclosure i've never curled in my life but i i like to watch it it's it's very strategic it's in the olympics for Pete's sake, this is a serious business, serious Olympic business. It's indoors. Uh, do you get to do you get to drink beer while you do this, or around it? Is beer involved? 
I, I don't drink, but they okay. every curling club does have a functioning bar. That see, that's a good thing. You know, drink responsibly. Um, but there are some downsides to curling. One, you need like fifty pound granite rocks. These aren't just like falling from Dick's Sporting Goods or something, right? You, these are like special equipment. You need ice time, and it's like this little pebbled special surface of the ice. And you got to have like appropriate curling people to curl with. Am I? Do I have most of this right, Matt? You haven't said anything wrong. Um, it's it's the hardest thing to do is to find time, find you know time and place to do it. Um, right. And now here's the thing: you don't have to provide the stones; they'll provide the stones for you. Ooh, okay. Uh, but it's it's hard to find a place that has it. Yep. What's the curling um, scene in Michigan? Like? You know, Detroit has a really nice club. The scene. Um, yeah. What are pe- what are the what are of- curlers like? They are some of the most fun people. I mean, it's a very social sport. Um, it, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna find an a hole uh, in in many of the clubs. Uh, I'd not say they don't exist. I mean, it's it's general population, but it's it's a special breed. It's, it's people that are really passionate about the sport, and uh, but you know they you know they'll they'll do anything for you. So um, it's it's fun to keep running into them in, in the same circles and all these different places. Uh, Detroit, like I said, Detroit's got a club. There's one up in uh, um, Kalamazoo, mm. uh, Midland, uh, and in, and then in Michigan specifically. But um, you know, obviously they're all over, and probably with our radius, if you're lucky, and live somewhere where it snows. But um, you know, it's it's a really interesting uh, you know subculture, I'd say, of the world. That's cool. And that's exciting because I, I, my understanding is you're getting to be quite the accomplished curler and uh, you have won monetary prizes and have had success doing this. Yes. Toot your own horn a little bit, Sus. We want to hear, we well, hear your we, accolades. Yeah, we, we, we almost, we almost won our entry feedback when we entered. <laughs> that's how much money we won. Um, hey, but we yeah, entered a, a, a tournament in Kalamazoo. Uh, um, I think it was a team of, I think it was twelve teams entered. Six made the quarterfinals, and we were one of those teams. And so, as a result, we got, I think, seventy-five back. Us on the most. So uh, we're we're there somewhere on the somewhere on the list, and uh, also on the world rankings. I think we dropped all the way down to like four hundred and ten in the world wow. but, um, by virtue of that one event. There's still time, though. Still time. Still that was a Olympics. Very fun. Some of the hardest competition I've ever played. Cool. The Olympics are not happening in my lifetime, um, <laughs> but uh, like I, I do have a, a son that's almost three, so uh, he will have to be the one that makes it. Well, hopefully Coach his attitude's up. a little bit better. You got to you got to work them like one of those tennis dads. Yeah, there you, you know, go. get him out there, get him a tiny broom, sweep. <laughs> you know, yelling at him in his you know playpen or whatever. Sweep. I've already got him practicing yelling, so he's got the yelling part. Yeah, that was- pretty much that would be my favorite part, just yelling, yelling at people to do work for me. I love that. It's great. Okay, number five is dodgeball. Dodgeball is fun. You get to get ag- aggressive, take out your frustrations, smack somebody in the head with a ball. That's pretty good. 
unfortunately, it's not higher on the list because we all have bad childhood dodgeball memories, right? Especially, you know, if you're the fat kid in dodgeball. Hall, I'm sure you could stand sideways and never get hit. But, you know, I, I made my living throwing, <laughs> not by dodging. I can tell you that. And if there's this, like, honesty issue, oh, I, I wasn't hit. Bull, it hit you on the wrist. I saw that. You didn't block it with a ball. It's horse, pucky. <laughs> Self-reffing my butt. That's dodgeball. Still pretty good. Number four is bowling. Bowling. MLive just did this like ranking of like the top 10 bowling alleys in Michigan. And there was like some really cool ones on that. You know, bowling is kind of falling out of fashion, but it's still fun. You roll your ball down there. There's a nice satisfying crackling of the pins when you knock them down. It's inside. You can do it all winter. That's nice. Do you have your own ball? No, I don't have my own ball. I could see you as as a own ball owning person. Yeah, you know, maybe I should look into that lifestyle. You know, the ball owner lifestyle. <laughs> you got to get the appropriate chains to go with it. So it, it's chains? it gets quite expensive. Yeah, it's, well, a, it's then, a thin gold chain. Yeah, yeah, with a nice V neck <laughs> and uh, uh, some some white shoes. That'd be pretty sweet. Wrist wrist brace, of course. Wrist brace? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the bad thing about bowling, right? Like, there's bowler culture. And, you know, you just picture sweaty guys. But you know what? We are old sweaty guys. I am. You gotta own it. Get your own self and get yourself a ball. Roll it down the down the alley. It's good. It gets you out of the house in the winter. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Number three is softball. Softball is where you get to go out with a bunch of church dudes and pretend to be actual ball players. You're not. You, you're not. You stink. You're probably going to get hurt. But you get to relive your childhood, and it gives you kind of a fresh appreciation for the big leaguers, right? Like, they are incredibly amazing athletes at what they do. The problem with softball, of course, is people take it way too seriously. <laughs> You've got softball guy. Uh, it's it's too intense. But it's it's pretty good for summer to get out, hang out. It's, it's softball. It's pretty good. You, I, you play softball? Yeah. I feel like uh, how intense people get uh, goes up in direct proportion to how many bats they own. <laughs> right. which, are, which are not cheap. Yeah. If you're using a friends, or using a team bat, that's appropriate level of intensity for exactly. softball. You don't need a two hundred dollar bat. Nobody needs a two hundred dollar bat. No. Well, technically, right. somebody does, or else you wouldn't have a bat. They they sell them. They sell a lot of expensive. D Marini isn't just you know hanging out for their own good. All right. <laughs> Number two is darts. Darts is great. You go to a bar. Uh, you have a beverage of your choosing and you stand there and you literally like fling the tiniest thing, right? It's not hurting your hand. It's tiny. It's a dart, right? It's simple to throw. You're close enough where you're going to hit the board. If you're not hitting the board, you know, you're in bad shape. You've had right? too many beverages. You've had, you, then, you know, it's time to quit. Darts is a lot of fun. Uh, but unfortunately there's math involved. That's what really makes it stink because you're there with a little chalkboard, and you, unless you're an awesome dart player, you're not doing this in your head with like big numbers. It's like, all right, what's fifteen minus? You know, counting down from like three hundred one. So there's math that makes it sucky. 
I don't know. You like darts? Darts is fun. Oh, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm so excited. I watched darts on TV. It was like ESPN, the Ocho or whatever, and they had oh, like, that's insane. Uh, oh, I that's all I want to watch now. I want to watch darts on TV. They have these gaudy shirts and it's big fat dudes and they're throwing darts exactly where they're supposed to go. It's amazing. Love darts. That's I watched that when I was in Ireland. That was on TV and I was mesmerized. I thought, <sighs> you know what? Maybe I should just, you know, sell it all and become a darts player. <laughs> should. get Talk about, you know, a little case that snaps with your darts in with custom fletchings or whatever they are. I don't know. They're it's it's awesome. I mean, they have they have enter they have uh, darts players have entrance music, don't they? Yeah, it's like the you freaking have to. WWE. You have to music. Yeah, they're they're strutting and flexing, you know, showing off their ugly but shirts. But they're not. And stuff. But they're well. But they're not fit. They're all no, no, none. Of, in fact, you can't be fit if you're a dart player. You get thrown out. <laughs> yes. It's like the opposite of the wrestling cutting that they do. You know, you need to pudge up a little. For the for the next darts tournament, it's it's awesome though. You got to watch darts on TV. It'll change your life for the better. All right, we're number one. It's time for number one. Do you want to guess? Go ahead, man. Kickball. No, it's not kickball. That's I, honorable mention. I have a guess. Is it? Could it be disc golf? It's disc golf. Yes. <laughs> no, my, no way. I'm shocked. My, my personal niche sport, disc golf. Let me tell you about disc golf. It's it's the best board ever. It's cheap. It's cheap. You you only need one disc. Now, don't use a Frisbee, friends. Get get yourself a golf disc. Get yourself an Innova starter pack or some other starter pack. You're going to spend like $25 and you'll you'll love the sport forever. It's outdoors. You're in nature. It's all free. You're not going to an actual golf course where you got to like deal with pretentious a-holes trying to sell you $150 shoes. No, you just go to the park, pick your nice park. You get pick a course that suits your skill level and you can go with any size group. You can go by yourself. You go with a group of four, whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. It's unpretentious, unlike golf, actual ball golf. And it's easy to learn. It's easier to start being okay at than, than regular golf. But it still takes a lifetime to master, right? So uh, there's professional disc golf. I watch. Uh, you can watch on YouTube. These guys are so good. It's fun to watch on TV or on uh, YouTube. There's not. There hasn't been any live disc golf, but disc golf is a sport of the future. It's so much fun. You got to go disc golfing. It'll change your life. That's number one. All right, I'll go disc golfing if you go curling. Does that seem like a fair deal? We t- we should totally do this. Get somebody to take a little bit of video, you know, watch me fall on my ass on the ice. And yeah, you'll yeah. get, you'll get hooked. And I, I know I will too. I think, I think we've even uh, exchanged tweets about that before. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I'm, I, I think we're in the same boat on that. I mean, it's a niche sport that just the more, the deeper you get into it, the uh, more you want to keep, you know, going deeper. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm watching the 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 final round of the Aussie Open to see if Ricky Wysocki is going to come from behind to see if Eagles going Eagle McMahon's going to fall apart. You know, following Macbeth and all this stuff. It it it's it's addicting. I'm buying plastic. I, you know, you only can throw one disc at a time, but I'm up to like eighty discs. Cool. It's not healthy. Do you it's carry them with you at all times? No, no. I um. 
I have uh, Innova Hero Pack. It holds like 15, maybe more. But any round I'm carrying, um, yeah, 15 to 18, something like that. And do they all have separate purposes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's – how do, do, are we wanting to turn this into disc golf podcast? Uh, so there's overstable and understable discs. They fly differently. There's different um, – uh, there's putters, mid-ranges, fairway drivers, and distance drivers. The distance drivers are really, really short, like uh, squat, and then the putters are kind of taller. And they, they do different things, um, and they do different things depending on how you throw them and all this good stuff. So it's, it is kind of technical. That's my favorite part of it. Like there's a lot of, of intricacies to it, which is kind of fun to study. So. It's it's fun. Interesting. All right. I'll 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 tweet a picture of my disc golf collection. It's is that a euphemism? <laughs> I'm so glad Maybe. you said disc golf. <laughs> disc golf. Disc golf's oh. great. I love it. I'm I'm hooked. I'm beyond I'm beyond hooked. So it's good stuff. Okay. Uh quickly now. The bottom three. The bottom three. Three third from the worst is basketball basketball you're too old leave your shirt on i don't want some sweaty no shirt dude you're picking teams and i'm always getting uh, get a run up and down the court maybe some half courts okay but i'm too tired i'm too tired to play defense i'm missing layups and stuff basketball is overrated for wreck old guys don't do it number two from the worst if that uh, am i i'm saying that right mountain biking you know mountain bike guy don't you they got this rack on their car. They got a you know five thousand dollar bike to ride some stupid trail that they got to drive th- drive to. Like stop it, mountain bike guy. This is way too much energy. Uh, the worst adult rack sport is. Do you want to guess? Hockey. Hockey's pretty bad. Yeah, I, I could have went with hockey. I went with football, flag football, or hmm. otherwise. We used to play the turkey bowl with like the old high school guys, and we all just get destroyed. One one time, a guy had a concussion. He's going to the hospital and stuff like that. Too old for that crap. And flag football is not any better. You look like a loser with little flags hanging out. Stop it. Stop with football. It's not a rec sport. Play a grown-up sport. You're too old for football. Stop. That's power rankings. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcastianos. Okay. Uh, I'll stop. Okay, good advice. <laughs> uh, so I have a quick story from things that I saw on the side of the road while running, um, and then we'll get into some tweets. Uh, I saw a red fox on the side of the road. Wow. Yeah. That's a good score. The, the comedian? <laughs> sure. <laughs> the remains of red fox. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story. He buried the that, lead. That would be a more interesting story than an actual dead All right, let's get into oh, my art or whatever. Let's get into some, <laughs> into some tweets. There, uh, the first two are specifically for you, Matt. I we can obviously weigh in also, but I think they were meant for you. Um, at Jack Van Ash asks, "What's the best way to get into professional curling?" Um. The best way to get into professional curling is to start a recreational curling and be really, really bad at it for 15 years. And then find an ad on Facebook saying that there is a uh, uh, a cash event nearby, sign up for it, and actually win some money. 
Um, if it works for me, it can work for you. But um, honestly, it it seems like an easy sport to get in get to the Olympics. And honestly, it's you know, if we're talking about the easiest way to win a gold medal, well, that is probably the way to do it. But you're still going to have to spend a lifetime. Uh, so you know, but I think you know in a few years uh, of dedication. I, I know some people that have been playing for about three or four years and got really, really good and started winning some tournaments. So um, if it, first things first, just give it a try. It just, you know, you, you made your, your pitch for disc golf and you've hooked me, you know, you've convinced me. So um, there are clubs all over that usually have open houses and teach you how to play. So uh, if it's, it's something you want to try, I, I recommend it. You got my blessing. <laughs> um, at Claypock asks us, if you were organizing a Tigers curling team, which four uh, players would you choose? That's oh, a pretty man. good question. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. There's uh, a couple ways you could go with that. Um, you could just start with the Canadian players because, <laughs> yeah. you know, by default you start there. So Dustin Mollusk Dustin or Mollick, whatever is there. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish Leonardton was still in the organization, and maybe he oh, is yeah. somewhere. Who knows? Uh, you go with that. I think there's another Canadian, like a non-roster Canadian that they, um, hmm. Jim Aducci. That's it. He's he's uh, from uh, Canada, but uh, in terms of the skill set, I think to start out, you'd probably want to start with the catcher, since the skip is the one that calls the game, tells mm-hmm. everyone where to go. You're looking at like an Alec. Sevilla. Plus, by the way, he does. He's not going to get hurt because he's doing the least amount of physical work. So yeah. he would be a good skip. He's halfway um, to a nice curling beard. At he any really time. is. I think he's good. He's got he's got the build for it. It'll be nice and warm out there. Yep. It's kind of um, squat, low to the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, any uh, you know any any good hitter with uh, you know good you know lower body strength could probably be. Uh, a front end player. So, you know, you might have like a Miggy or, uh, you know, a Castellanos kind of, you know, leading your, your front end. Um, eh, it, or, you know, you could also have, uh, uh, you know, Mikey Matuk because uh, Matuk, that kind of sounds Canadian for my hat. Oh. Yeah. It sounds like a little bit of an uh, Inuit name, you know, knows his way mm-hmm. around ice. Anyone see Matuk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay one more um at adam smut asks why this is of the tigers why are they always sleeping behind a rock out of sight when i take my child to the zoo (laughs) (laughs) well you first you gotta dangle your child over the fence like it's a tree like it's a big like in the cartoons the 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 tiger sees like a beef steak you know get them lure them out with your child Try that. Yeah. I don't want to go too far down the child in the enclosure route. <laughs> too painful. Still <laughs> to home there, Hall. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Trigger, um, trigger warning. Trigger yeah. warning. <laughs> we'll get to the rest of them next week. Uh, if you'd like it, to get in touch with the show, you can um, reach us at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, Matt is at sus2hyphens. I am at Jordan Hall 23. Eric is at Comeric Eric. The show is at Podcastianos. On the Instagram, I am at Jordino4 and Facebook.com backslash Podcastianos. And we'd love it if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending your evening with us. We really appreciate it. 
Oh, thanks for having me. This was a blast. Thanks, uh, Sauce. I, oh, you especially are welcome. <laughs> um, and with that being said, we will catch you guys next week. And eat them up, tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.